Election Studio on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and apologies for not being Trevor Dan. I'm Julian Clover and this is our first election studio from which you'll probably gather that we're in the studio to talk about the forthcoming election. And what an election it is. On Thursday, we'll be asked to choose a mayor for the Cambridgeshire and Peterborough combined authority, a whole new county council, a whole new city council and a new police and crime commissioner, not to mention a handful of by-elections on South Cam's district council. So to help make sense of all of this, I'm going to be joined shortly by a panel of distinguished political commentators. Uh, But first, we'll welcome local democracy reporter Ben Hatton, whose brief it is to report on politics in our area for a range of titles and outlets. Uh, Hello, Ben. Welcome to the programme. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Um, So why so many elections? Yeah, so this is an unusual year uh, in local democracy in Cambridge and in the wider county. Uh, it's been, you may have seen it dubbed in the media as Super Thursday. So it's a mix of reasons, two primary reasons. One is that some elections were delayed from last year. So uh, the city council elections uh, and also the election for the police and crime commissioner. Uh, so they're happening um, this year alongside, as you said, the uh, the elections for the mayor and for the county council. And then the other irregularity is owing to some boundary changes in uh, in the city here in Cambridge, the city council is elected, rather it would usually elect uh, its councillors three out of four years. So you'd have three years with an election and then a break. So it's kind of a usually. third and a third and a third and then we do the county council. That's, that's what normally would happen, I think. That's what would normally happen, but because there's been boundary changes, it's effectively a reset this time, so it's quite rare. So they will be electing the full council, and that uh, means that the stakes are even higher for those involved. So it's it's literally every seat um, in Cambridge, every tier of local government, and every seat up for grabs. So who's in charge of what? Or, or I guess put another way, who looks after the pavements? Uh, who looks after my children, if I were to have any children, in school? And who's going to be giving me a parking ticket? Yes, well, um, there is some overlap across those things. But so uh, let's start at the lower tier at the city council. So the city council um, is in charge of collecting your bins, collecting your council tax, uh, deciding planning applications. It will play a key role in deciding on uh, the policies for acceptable development in the upcoming local plan. Also, um, with some overlap with other authorities, also plays a key role in sort of managing open spaces, um, helping with uh, provision for the homelessness and others. Social housing is a key thing the City Council does. Um, So that is currently controlled uh, by the Labour Group. Uh, Going up a tier, Uh, you have the County Council. Now, the County Council um, is in charge of overseeing, uh, as you mentioned, their schools budget and oversight of the the state school system. It's in charge of highways maintenance, which is a major, when people talk about uh, a lot of local government or their local councils, you tend to hear people talking about potholes. If you have an issue with a pothole, the County Council is the one for you. 
um, also uh, a, a range of sort of high uh, of services there. A social care, ch children's and adult social care is a key one um, and uh, plays a, a role in sort of wider strategies um, across the county. And then we um, regularly, again, slightly regularly in Cambridgeshire, have a further tier up because of the uh, 2017 devolution deal. So we have a combined authority. Um, now, the decision-making board of the combined authority is made up of the leaders of each of the councils, uh, which adds further weight to when you're casting your, your votes and choosing the leadership of each each council, because it will also play a role there as well. But what, what we are deciding in this election directly is who is going to be the mayor of Cambridgeshire and Peterborough, uh, who is also the leader of the combined authority. So uh, as, as if that wasn't complicated enough with those three tiers in Cambridge, um, we also have uh, some uh, body here which is not directly elected, uh, the Greater Cambridge Partnership, but it's worth uh, knowing, bearing in mind um, when choosing the leadership of each council, that the leader of the city council and the leader of the county council um, will send a representative, the, the, the groups in charge there will send a representative to the Greater Cambridge Partnership. And we've got South Cambridgeshire District Council as well. Now that's um, yes. that, that's near enough the same as the City Council, only of course if you're, um, if you like, <laughs> in the sticks outside of the City of Cambridge itself, you'll be, uh, there's a few by-elections I think there rather than a, a, a full election I think. But there are, there's some sort of overlap isn't there because of things like the wonderfully titled shared waste services between uh, City and South Cambridgeshire District Council. Yes, and that shared planning service. And again, I think yeah. uh, key decisions on the local plan over the next few years. So yes, it does matter to residents in Cambridge, as well as all this partnership working across, like I said, the Combined Authority and the Greater Cambridge Partnership. So yes, it does matter uh, to residents in Cambridge what happens in South Cambridgeshire, and it matters in South Cambridgeshire what happens in Cambridge. Yes, so there's four by-elections, I believe, uh, in South Cambridgeshire. So it's not quite the major event that it is for the City Council, but it but it is still important. I think I'm right in saying it's not fully enough to shift a sort of majority or you know overturn who could be leading the council there. But that yes, it's not to say it doesn't matter, and of course it matters in those four four areas where they'll be choosing. Their we've kind kind of got one of each at the moment, haven't we? We've got a Conservative run, or we have had. A Conservative-run county council. Um, the city council in Cambridge is controlled by Labour, and it's the Lib Dems who took South Cambridgeshire District Council last time around. Yes, so we have a, a sort of <laughs> a political rainbow in uh, in in that sense. Yes, we do. Uh, it's also worth pointing out that we currently have a Conservative um, Police and Crime Commissioner, which is the other election we refer to, and we currently have a Conservative Mayor um, of of. Great of uh, Cambridgeshire and Peterborough, who leads the combined authority, and also a Conservative majority on the uh, combined authority board. So uh, yes, county-wide um, tends to be more Conservative majorities, making up the bulk of districts outside of Cambridge, or all the districts outside of uh, Cambridge and South Cambridgeshire are um, Conservative-controlled. So yes, when you come to the county council, uh, there is a Conservative majority. It has been. Uh, since 2017. Uh, prior to that, there was no overall control. And I, I think the thing that really swung it to the Conservatives uh, on the County Council last time was uh, the collapse of the UKIP vote. I think it was 12 UKIP councillors uh, prior to 2017, now none. Um, so 
the, the second largest party on the county council is the uh, Liberal Democrats. Uh, I believe I'm right in saying I think it's four, um, four seats the Conservatives uh, would have to lose, including vacancies at the moment. So um, for, for that to tip into no overall control and then it would take a much bigger swing for, say, uh, the Liberal Democrats or indeed another party, for example, uh, the Labour is the third largest group there to, to capture a majority. But um, a, a, a sort of quite uh, quite strong show for the Conservatives on the County Council. As you say, on the City Council, uh, there is a Labour majority. There has been a Labour majority since the Labour group took it off the Liberal Democrats in 2014. Um, the Labour group, I, I think I'm right in saying uh, the Liberal Democrats would need to win if you were to compare it to where all the seats were with previous elections, albeit we have vacancies now, but I think it's six plus six seats for uh, for the Liberal Democrats to to, uh, to re wrestle a majority of the Labour group. Um, and there's also one independent, the longest serving councillor um, on the current city council, John Hipkin, who uh, will not be standing again. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the parties contesting that. It's also worth pointing out uh, that so there's no uh, conservative councillors in Cambridge on either the city or county council. Um, they are, however, fielding a full, uh, essentially a full roster of candidates um, there as well, and as are the Green Party. Okay. Now, having forgotten to uh, fill in the form to get myself a postal vote, which I know many people probably will have done this time around, it means I'm off to the polling station on Thursday and I'm going to have to uh, pick up a hefty ballot paper, aren't I, by the sounds of things, and some different voting systems, I think, with, with some of these. Yes. So, um, yes, I should have tossed it up exactly how many ticks in boxes you should have done before this, apologies, but I can talk you through them now quickly. So, yes, on um, on the city council, uh, you will be each person, uh, each voter can uh, put a vote for th up to three candidates um, in their in their ward. Um, on the county council, uh, you'll also be electing a representative. Um, you will also then, and those are both pretty Pretty simple first past the post on the city council, as as discussed, it's a slightly um, a regular one because we're electing the full city council uh, where it normally take place in thirds. And because it's delayed a year, it also means the terms that we'll be electing councillors for a year shorter. So you have this slightly weird system where the first place in each in each area, the, the candidate ele elected in each uh, district will uh, serve three years then the person who comes second will serve two years, and then the poor person who comes third will serve a year and have the joy of uh, running for election. Oh, my goodness, they'll have to go year. through it all over again. Oh, well, yes, never mind. But, Maybe uh, they'll recycle um, their leaflets and, and use them once more in a, <laughs> yeah, right. in, in a second life. But so first past the first, they're very simple. Simple at the county council as well, and first past the post uh, in electing your representative. The uh, gets a bit more complicated with the mayor and the police and crime commissioner, which is supplementary voting. So supplementary voting, ca uh, voters will be asked for their first and second preferences. You don't have to put a second preference down, but you do need to put a first preference down if you would like a second preference to be counted. So first and second preferences, how it works is this. They will, when the votes are all tallied up, uh, they will count everybody's first preference. Now, if one candidate wins on first preference votes, uh, wins a majority, more than 50% on first preference votes, 
then they will win outright. Uh, that didn't happen last time in 2017. Uh, so what uh, is, what if you don't, if no one candidate wins on first preference votes, no one gets more than 50% anyway, regardless of who gets the most, the top two candidates, uh, the, the uh, the ones who receive the most votes will progress to the, what's called the second round and every everybody else will be eliminated. Uh, we only have three standing this time. So um, we have the Conservatives, Lib Dems uh, and Labour. Now, what, what matters is the second preference is the second preference vote for anyone who elects it, for anyone whose first preference has been eliminated, those will count, be counted. And those second preference votes will be added to the totals of the two remaining candidates to top up their totals. So hopefully that makes sense. You've got to win in that first, you've got to either get more than 50% in that first round, or if you don't get it, the top two candidates from the first round will use the second preferences from for people who voted for candidates who will be eliminated. And then in that second round, it's whoever has the most wins. Oh gosh, I, I do hope for the uh, the sake of everybody who's counting these that we don't get into recounts. That one could be uh, could be very nasty indeed. Okay, so so far. Uh, we've had a few sort of stops and starts, um, for, I guess, over the uh, weekend following the death of the Duke of Edinburgh. But the campaign, has anything sort of emerged so far, do you think, as uh, on, on, on the doorsteps or issues that have uh, uh, snuck up from uh, uh, both your reporting and, and that of our fellow guests who we'll hear from in a few moments? Oh yes, there's a there's a long list uh, that I'm sure yes you'll get your guests will get into. I mean, it, you know what? There's so many elections. It depends which one you want to choose for. But I mean, I, there's a lot at stake in Cambridge itself. So uh, as I said. It, it, because of the partnership working across the councils, even your representative for, say, the city council, whoever wins the city council election, will play a role in making decisions on the Greater Cambridge Partnership and then on the combined authorities, which really means with every vote you cast, with the possible exception of the police and crime commissioner, they, the people you elect will be making contributions to it's big decisions coming up in Cambridge. So, you th like I said, the, you've got the local plan, you've got the Greater Cambridge uh, Partnerships uh, proposals for things like busways. If you look in some of the manifestos, you'll see support for something like a clean air zone. So that will be a, a topic coming up. Um, depending on which which sort of uh, ward in the, the city you go to, you will see uh, sort of, you know, things that really matter in that ward. So, for example, uh, the uh, Mill Road Bridge, is a key one. Some people want to see that uh, the the bus gate there removed. Some people want to see it changed. Some people want to see it extended. Um, and then you know when you get up to the sort of up to the the level of the combined authority, which I perhaps should have said at the beginning. Uh, so a lot of powers and uh, and a lot of finance for things like transport, uh, but also adult education, uh, economic support, things like that, um, and also affordable housing. But a key so key ones at the combined authority level. You're talking about. Um, the vision for what might be a rapid transit system for the city. So your listeners probably have heard a lot about a metro. Uh, that I'm sure you'll get into it, but uh, some some candidates for, some against, or I should say one candidate for and some against. Um, and then there's also uh, been a lot of controversy surrounding how the affordable housing programme has played out at the combined authority. Uh, but like I said, because, you know, the leader of, say, the city council or the county council sits on the board of both the Greater Cambridge Partnership and the Combined Authority, uh, the, the, the sort of, um, I don't know, the, to, 
the uh, threads of accountability uh, do overlap slightly and there are a lot of them and they are confusing. I think the key thing to think about is that you just, um, everybody, uh, every you know, council you're electing to here has a has a key role to play, and so it's it's worth taking time to consider all of them based on the complicated, uh, overlapping structure of local government we have here in Cambridge. Yeah, far far too many permutations, but yeah, you know, have a little think about it, and then um, you know, cast cast your vote for all, all of the candidates. Well, Ben, look, thank you very much for. Uh, taking us through all of that on the programme today. It's quite a uh, quite a bit to consider. That's uh, uh, Ben Hatton, who is the local democracy report across a number of uh, media outlets uh, in the city and South Cambridgeshire, both broadcast and uh, print. Ben, thank you uh, very much indeed. Um, Thanks, you're very welcome. Let me uh, introduce you now uh, to our panel. We'll be uh, chewing over those and a few other issues with... Uh, today. Uh, John Elworthy is the editor of the Cam's Times, the Wisbeach Standard and the Ely Standard. Um, Mike Shalom, business correspondent of the Cambridge Independent, a regular contributor as well to Cambridge 105 Radio. And uh, Phil Rogers, also a familiar voice to Cambridge 105 Radio listeners, uh, local blogger and political commentator. Can I start briefly with you, Phil? Because, um, and Ben alluded to that there, the boundary changes within um, the city in, in particular... Um, that I'm assuming in many cases has been brought about by the amount of development which has made some areas larger than than others. Yes, that's right. Uh, hello, Julian. Um, so this sort of happens every so often. The last time was back in 2004. And the idea is that uh, there's 14 wards in Cambridge and they're all supposed to be roughly the same size so that each council is representing approximately the same number of people. But of course, Cambridge is growing all the time. We have new housing developments going up. In particular, in Trumpington and Castle wards, there's been a lot of development there. And so those those wards have got a bit bigger. And uh, so every few years, the... Um, boundary authorities come along and they uh, say well we've got to readjust everything and and uh, and make the populations roughly equal again and, and is that is, likely uh, to affect the composition of the council in any way is you know by moving one set of voters from one district to another um, or maybe simply the kind of people who are moving in may be more likely to vote for Party A than for Party B. Is that likely uh, to, I don't know, lose or gain any seats? Well, it can do a bit, and certainly that was an issue in 2004, and, and the political parties obviously will have their opinions and they'll put those to the uh, the boundary authority and uh, try and get maybe a bunch of voters from a ward they like into, into another ward. But actually there's been quite a lot less of it this time. Um, the uh, so Castle is losing a bit of territory. Uh, Trumpington's losing a bit of territory. Market Ward is kind of moving south and annexing the new town area and so forth. But and and uh, you can read about this on my blog and and the political ramifications. But really, there's not a not really a great deal of of impact this time. I don't think um, uh, unless we suddenly discover a, a sort of hotbed of liberal democracy that we hadn't uh, suspected, or a, or a bunch of uh, dedicated Labour voters in in some some particular part of a, a ward that's moving. But I don't I don't think that's going to make much difference. No, I'm almost disappointed we're not going to get the excitement. Well, well, obviously we'll try and find some sort of excitement. Um, there has, however, in uh, re recent months, been uh, quite a little bit of excitement um, in and around Cambridgeshire County Council, in particular an audit investigation 
into its farms estate and the awarding of a tenancy at Girton to its former deputy leader in all senses, the uh, Conservative Vodger Hickford. Um, John, John Elworthy, I wonder if you could perhaps um, explain those who don't know uh, what uh, Farmgate uh, is all about. I think it's... Uh, was, it, was it you who dub- dubbed it that or um, did that emerge elsewhere? <laughs> I certainly dubbed it that, but I'd noticed. Good morning, Julian, or good afternoon. Um, I dubbed it Farmgate, but I was intrigued last week that uh, Steve Count, the leader of the County Council, um, now calls it the Farmgate Report, which is yet to be published by the County Council, which is their 480-page summary of what went on um, with Councillor Hickford. Um, just to put this into context and to offer it to you very briefly, as briefly as I think I possibly can, if you go back um, four years to the elections of 2017, um, Councillor Hickford had become um, a candidate in, um, in, in in South Cambridgeshire for the County Council. And um, what he never told the members of the constituency uh, association in his part of um, South Cambridgeshire was that um, at the very moment that he was um, promising to be their conservative candidate and their conservative councillor which involves about six or seven different villages at the, at the very precise time that he was doing that separate to all of that he was having a sniff around and having a look at um, various county farm tenancies and went to various meetings and prior to the election of 2017 um, in fact at the end of march in 2017 and bearing in mind the elections were in may of that year um he was offered, although he hadn't signed the contract, but he was, uh, in writing, offered the tenancy of a county council-owned farm, a miners' farm, nine acres and, and, a, and a small manor house. And the thing was that nobody knew. Um, when he became elected in uh, May 17, he duly put his new address. He, he was a bit of an itinerant councillor because he did several previous addresses over the previous few years. But that aside... And I'm not going anywhere where I might impugn his good character and his good nature, because that's not what I do. But um, it was odd that he hadn't mentioned to the people of South Cambridgeshire Conservative Association that he was going to skip into a, a different um, a division of the county council where he wasn't the member, um, but to live in a county council-owned farm tenancy, um, which he duly declared. The technical thing was correct. He duly declared it on his register of members' interest. But if you and, and Phil Rogers would know this, um, how many people, unless you are a, a, a ferret of the worst possible kind and going around looking at where people live, nobody would have actually realised that that manor farm, well, they would have just said, it, well, he's rented another farm. He'd rented a farm down in Barry St Edmunds five or six years before that. So, you know, nobody sort of, you know, live, if you live in a nice house, um, you don't know that that is one of 200 tenancies owned by the county council. Anyway, he he took the tenancy on, and that year he moved in. Um, there's some doubt, debate as to whether he moved on what date or whatever, but certainly he acquired uh, nine acres of uh, Cambridgeshire land. And then it all came out in 2018 um, when he was forced to publicly uh, withdraw from a meeting of the General Purposes Committee in the December of 2018. Um, when they were debating a £183,000 extension to that house as an investment on behalf of the County Council. They were going to increase the uh, length of his tenancy, an unnamed tenant, and they were also going to um, create this rather 
slightly more palatial um, property than what he'd previously uh, applied for. We discovered that he'd actually applied for something even more grander than that. But anyway, he was going to pay for this by an increased rent. And then it was suddenly noticed that why did he leave a general purposes committee meeting at that day in December 18? And the reason was that he had to declare a pecuniary and substantial pecuniary interest in the subject under discussion because he was the beneficiary de facto of an investment by the county council in that property. And we woke up in uh, 2019 in a state of some shock that we had um, basically discovered that the deputy leader of Cambridgeshire County Council was actually what I would call living in a council house. The council gets very sniffy about this when I call it a council house, but that is indeed what it is. He is a council tenant and remained so until he suddenly vacated both the property uh, and you know his position on the council um, a few weeks ago. However, the, the whole thing about, as it all came out as a hurried gotter, um, whistleblowers started to tell stories of behind the scenes activities. He's not here to defend those, so I'm not going to go into them, but basically, you know, there were some serious um, questions that were being put about his behaviour, both in relation to how he had acquired the tenancy. There were questions as to why his candidacy for that tenancy was deemed the best one. There were six other people um, who applied for it. We looked at one of the people who had applied for it um, and who was described in the, um, in the reports as having a lifestyle choice, therefore not suitable. And that's a young man called Toby who has got a very successful business in Cambridge, um, rearing sheep and doing stuff like that for uh, the meat market. So really, it would have been an ideal tendency for that and, young and man. And John, you know, there was this report which was published. Have, have we seen all of the report or are parts of we this not know, available? Mr Hatton will remember, you know, and this was why the chairman of the audit committee, a chap called Mike Shellens, has become my sort of superhero, if you like, of the of, of the democratic principles of local government, because um, he'd authorised the report, he'd chaired numerous meetings of the committee, and at the very moment when the report was published, and bear in mind that there were people that the, the council had to go outside of the council to to find an audit firm to conclude the report simply because of the stresses that were put on their chief internal auditor, who literally at the last moment surrendered effectively um, through health reasons because of the pressures and everything else. And, you know, it's a really decent, nice man. But the pressure on him was so intense that the county mm -hmm. he, he stepped aside. The county council appointed an external auditor not to, con con not to carry out the audit, but to complete his work. They published a report... 488, uh, 488 pages, looking at the whole farm's estate, but principally looking at Roger Hickford's behaviour and role in all of this. And then they decided for legal reasons they couldn't publish it. There was a lot of challenging to, to publish it. So we all um, wanted to know what had gone on. Whistleblowers came to me with some very, very startling revelations about some of the behaviours that were chronicled, if you like, in this report but we haven't been allowed to see the report. The county council refuses to uh, release it. They're talking now about uh, the reasons why is that there's potential disciplinary action against mm -hmm. members of staff, which I very much doubt because as somebody pointed out to me, you know, they were more sinned against than sinners because of the pressures that we've been put on them. And they would like to bring Councillor Hickford before, or possibly bring Councillor Hickford, ex-Councillor Hickford between, uh, before a conduct committee 
of Cambridgeshire County Council and therefore it would be unfair. You cannot bring in real terms and realistically, yeah. you cannot ask a former county councillor um, and a deputy leader, oh, sorry, we've, we, you, we've, you've gone, you've, we've, we've yeah. done all this on you, and would you like to come up and I, I'm a, wondering, John, uh, this is, um, and I might put this to Mike next, because, you know, if we were talking about this at the national level, maybe not so much cash for curtains, maybe cash for cows, somebody would stand up and say, oh, this is all Westminster bubble, public don't care. Or do they, Mike? What do you think? Well, I care, but I'm um, not, not certainly not in uh, good afternoon, um, but certainly not uh, in the depth of detail that, that John cares, I'm afraid. Uh, I think there's a difference between uh, sleaze and corruption. I think that needs to be identified. Um, some of the stuff that you're talking about, the tittle-tattle coming out of uh, Westminster is sleaze. Um, sleaze is, you know, passing, you know, uh, kind of like doing deals for your mistress or whatever. Um, corruption is where you have a VIP lane for um, PPE um, supplies, which is um, above and beyond, and we don't release um, the information that would allow people to make a choice about uh, you know, whether there has been any wrongdoing uh, going on. In this situation um, with Roger Hickford, I mean, clearly there's a 430-page report uh, on the uh, on the whole on the whole situation, which isn't being released by um, the county council. So. As is often the situation in these in these cases, Julian, you have a, a an, an original an original incident, you know, like which could be a one off, but then you have a there is a closing of ranks, and I think that yes, there is a, a significant factor at play. We've seen it in the national polls, where this closing of ranks and this sort of like you know treatment of uh, the norms of, of political life as as uh, options. Um, is exasperating for a lot of people, particularly when they see so much money being spent. I mean, in 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 Councillor Hickford's case, um, I think it's uh, you know he he is um, you know one part of a huge problem. But I mean, there are so many of these problems that have come through uh, in the last few weeks that I think he's uh, you know, he, he, his his situation is already fairly. Uh, fairly, fairly well marked. Did you think it's easier? I don't know for a, a local councillor to inadvertently trip themselves up on something that that wouldn't happen. You know, simply because you know local councils councillors are predominantly part time. You know, they 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 don't. It's not they're not like full time always in the House of Commons or always at uh, Shire Hall or wherever. They um they do have to have other interests. They do have to um have uh, other business responsibilities, and sometimes they they simply get in the way. Uh, that's generous, uh, Julian. Um, I don't think it's always the case that that that, that, that it's just sort of like you know there, there are there are conflicts of interest. Uh, there is clearly wrongdoing, and they should be uh, identified as such. Mm. Phil, you've uh, been out on the uh, campaign trail in your time. Uh, is, is this the sort of thing that the public brings up uh, on the doorstep? Or are they more concerned about those paving slabs that they might trip over, or a boards that they walk into? Well, I think people are concerned about uh, probity in public life, but it's not necessarily the first thing that comes up on the doorstep. That's often, A, is there really an election on? Or, uh, ah, so that's why I've got so much stuff on my on my <laughs> doormat or, or whatever. And, and yes, people are absolutely concerned. So about the number one issue is apathy, is that what we're saying? Um, <laughs> certainly some people are more interested in uh, what's going on in local politics than others. And it's always really interesting when when you do go and knock on doors, and there's a lot of that, even even with the pandemic, there's quite a lot of that going on at the, at the moment. Um, it, I think it's it's very valuable for, for local campaigners to go and do that because it really connects them to what what people's concerns are and, um, you know, the fact that they're actually quite a lot less interested in, in politics most of the time than uh, uh, than 
people like people like me and uh, campaigners. Um, but uh, they but they are really interested in uh, what's happening in their local community and in how things work and in things being done properly. And on on this particular Farmgate report, I think John has done some tremendous work on on bringing this to the public. And what we really need now is for the council to publish this report that's been produced at enormous expense, several tens of thousands of pounds of our money. Um, and, and we really need to see as much of it as we can. And whether that they will be more ready to do that after the election is passed, I don't know. We'll have to see. John, is there any sign that we might actually get to see the report, maybe once the election is over and a new council is installed? Well, I would, Johnny will hope so. But, I mean, the, the, one additional thing about this, and, um, you know, Mike was talking about, you know, how typical pain may be this of, of, of local government and stuff. A few years ago, and only, what, two or three years ago, Mike Shellens, who's the Audit Committee Chairman, presided over a, a previous investigation that had been the result of a long-standing campaign, and that was over community transport, the uh, Fennan Association of Community Transport. And that took an, an age to get noticed and picked up and some traction. And Gillian Beasley, I always remember, she was the chief executive, and she finally uh, bowed down to the pressure, not simply the... the our group of newspapers were putting on it, uh, but there were two UKIP councillors who stepped out of line and technically broke some sort of law by uh, raiding the, the Fenden Transport office yard. Gillian Beasley said, enough is enough, I will take charge of this inquiry. And in fact, I was invited when I went to the Audit Committee to give evidence at the Audit Committee, um, which was very unusual and, uh, and, and certainly odd. The consequence of that report then being published, that was coincidentally also 400 pages, also had been created by an external audit firm who got paid substantially more because they did all the work on it. And that resulted in the complete, um, you know, dissolution, if you like, in its old form of this community transport. Millions of pounds are still uh, being debated. Hundreds of thousands of pounds are still uh, being sifted through by the police. And I can't talk anymore because there's still a major police mm. investigation into that one. So, you know, when Gillian took control of that, she did an exemplary job. I thought when she announced at Christmas she was taking charge of the Farmgate report, we would see the same sort of outcome, publish and be damned. And she didn't. And I think it's because it involves council officers and, and councillors rather than an external body that was in many ways funded by the county council. And she drew a line between, you know, putting your, washing your own linen. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, but the, the central point here, surely, is that, you, you know, that they're, they're not publishing the report. And the reason they're not publishing the report is there are things that they'd rather that you didn't know about, about what yes. was going on in, in the county council. Let's make that perfectly clear. And let's be clear that actually that, 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 that fact will colour people's decisions. We've seen with the Prime Minister, he doesn't want to tell uh, uh, the, the nation where his, the funding came from for his, his, his flat arrangements. This is, this is part and parcel of a style of politics, uh, I call it fait accompli politics, where things are done and then the explanations either are or are not, are not forthcoming later. People are pricing in the fact that a lot, there's, there's a lot of, 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 of deception, there's a lot of mistrust, there's a, there's a lot of suspicion of uh, almost all the candidates. I mean, very few of them, uh, although there are some, you have to, you have to sift through what, what, it, what potentially is going to come out of this election, which I think, by the way, I still haven't quite counted the number of votes I get, but it sounds like about eight. 
Yes, I'd, I'd, I'd set off early with uh, with a very um, a, a pencil sharpener as well as the uh, as well as the, the pencil. Uh, we, we better move on. Um, a few other things to talk about, or many other things to talk about. Uh, Police and crime commissioner. We're on we're on number two uh, because the gentleman who we elected uh, at the last police and crime commissioner election, uh, Mr. Abel White, had a bit of uh, local difficulty with Twitter, to say the least. Um, so we. I'm sorry, sorry, John? It was Facebook, not Facebook, Twitter. Facebook, not Twitter. <laughs> same, same result. He had to stand, he had to stand down, and uh, obviously his, his replacement served a little bit longer than he was intending. But, but I wonder, whoever was in charge, I, I, one feels almost that um, there's been a lack of a profile for our police and crime uh, commissioner locally, and I, I wonder if that makes it more difficult for the candidates to... Um, actually make their voice heard as to, to what they do. We've got, uh, for example, this week, we've got uh, news that counter services are going to be closed at many uh, of the, the, the smaller offices. Um, Phil, is this it's likely to make an impact, do you think? Yes, I think this is very much sort of the forgotten election in a way. Um, so many people will have had a booklet through their uh, through their door about the mayoral election with details of all the candidates. And there is a similar booklet for the police and crime commissioner elections, but it's not actually sent out to people. It's it's just available online. You can go and find it at a site called Choose My PCC, uh, and that will give you the same information about the candidates. But you know, really, we should be get we should be getting that uh, alongside the uh, alongside the mayor booklets sent sent out to people so that uh, um, people can actually find out a bit more. And about whose fault is that? Is that the fact that, you know, who, who's not giving the money in order to um, set the printing presses rolling so we can we can get a copy? Because not every, it's fairly straightforward. Not not everybody can get online easily. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a sen- that's a central government decision. And uh, um, yeah, absolutely, it would be a, it would be a good thing to send. In fact, I'd like to see that happen for local elections too. Mm. And there are there is some great information that's produced by volunteers. There's a very good site called Who Can I Vote For? Uh, and if you go to that, put in your postcode, you'll see all the details of all the elections that uh, that we're voting in this time, who who the candidates are, and so forth. Um, but particularly in areas where um, they're not so hotly contested at the council level, um, people aren't getting uh, so much so much contact on the doorstep and aren't really finding out about what's going on. I think the Police and Crime Commissioner election in particular suffers from this, and people don't really know that, that much about it. John, have you noticed uh, similar issues in your part of the county? What I've noticed is that all the candidates seem to promise all the same thing, and people get very, you know, you know, what candidate is not going to be in favour of more policing? What candidate is not going to be in favour of cracking down on antisocial behaviour, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. What I think we we've missed out on um, is a full understanding of what the role of the police and crime commissioner really is, um, because one of the candidates, I mean, one conservative the other day um, talked about the two previous rubbish candidates uh, as police commissioner because they don't like the deputy. Uh, commissioner who stood in, and they certainly, you know, have now, you know, gone off the, the you know, the, the Christmas card uh, list for Jason Abelwhite. Yes, but, I guess Ray Bisbee uh, became the Gerald Ford of Cambridgeshire yeah. politics, didn't he? <laughs> they, they, they don't know, like, but they've all been this. But the thing is that there is a conflicting, in my opinion, level of responsibility there between the chief constable, um, who was uh, asked by one of the candidates not to go ahead with the cuts to the PCSOs, did it anyway. Another one asked him not to close the inquiry officers until after whatever. He's gone ahead with it anyway. And, and so there's, and we don't have, um, when the Police and Crime Commissioner gets in, there is some sort of quasi-advisory body that, I call it quasi-advisory, I know what it is and does, but there is a crime a, a panel that, you know, influences decision-making process. But it hasn't got the same scale, hasn't got the same vibrancy, if you like, of the combined authority, um, you know, scrutiny of that, 
and um, basically, you know, they're all in favour of Christmas, and that's what we have a problem, is trying to work out who's going to be best for, for what community um, as the police and crime commissioner. So, you know, I think, you know, it's um, not something that has really electrified mm -hmm. the electorate. I do think that, you know, the combined authority mayor is a different kettle of fish because, uh, A, he's been much more visible. And, and one quick thing I would pick up is, and, and Ben mentioned it, I think, earlier, you know, when you talk about partnerships, the one thing I think Cambridgeshire is crying out for is some sort of agreement on a list of priorities for our lovely county because, you know, they are squandering money at an enormous rate on projects that rival candidates will come in and, and drop and they will, there is no short to medium term look, agreement on what the priorities are, whether it's housing, whether it's transport, or whether it's... We, we touched on this earlier. I, I, it's, it's interesting, we, we're with relation to the, you know, the the Greater Cambridge Partnership and, the, you know, sending Labour, Conservatives and Lib Dem members. Does, you know, does that help or hinder the, the, the process? In theory, if you have people from, who are representing the county as a whole, be they live in a, a Labour city, a Conservative shires or uh, South, South Cambridgeshire Lib Dem supporting area. Are they... Has, has that helped or is it just that nobody can agree with each other and so consequently nothing, nothing gets done? Mike, Mike, do you have a view on that? Mike, shalom. Um, only that uh, the uh, role actually uh, hasn't really been uh, defined by the previous uh, incumbents and I think there is scope for the role. I think uh, she could be given a chance. I think people are too... You think that if, if Jason Abelwhite had served his, his full, full term and stayed in post, people would have, uh, uh, would have said, no, oh, right, that's what he's that doing? Really. No, I don't think that at all. I don't think Jason Abelwhite had, had much, my personal view is, he didn't have much of a clue what to do with the role uh, particularly either. He was clearly, um, you know, as, as, as a former police officer himself, not quite right for the job because this is a, an interface between the public and the police force. Um, and, you, you know, we've um, we've covered in the Cambridge Independent, um, you know, all, all the, the, the three candidates have said. I mean, uh, I have to say... Um, there's one of them, uh, Nikki Massey, uh, as a female, I think would be particularly good for the role personally, regardless of the politics. Because what the what the um, the you know we've had enough of with with the with police uh, policing uh, as 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 it, as it's as it's heading towards the um, police and, and crimes bill is 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 candidates saying that you know like I mean for instance I mean uh, in our. Uh, in our report, um, you know, the, the Daryl Preston, the Conservative candidate, supported supports the police and the use of stop and search. We know that no, nine times more likely it is going to be a black person that is going to that is stopped in in, in in stop and search than a white person. So this is part of an institutional racist concern that people do genuinely have about what is endemic in our society and in the police force. And to actually promote that, I find as as a as a route forward, um, it's very alarming. So the, this is a role that is conciliatory, that, that supports the police and explains to the public how the roles, is, you know, what they're trying to achieve and what they can do within the law, because they're also being buffeted around by political demands uh, from the government, current current government, with with not the financial resources to do that, so we need it's a it's a job of explaining to people what's going on. John, I'll bring you in briefly, then I need to hop okay, onto well, the mill road, so to speak. What's what really is we're missing something here as well. Um, we seem to have a, a we don't seem to have well, a one term police and crime commissioner, um, but we're almost getting a one term. Um, uh, 
chief constable because if you look back over the last um and, and michael will know this if you look back over the last uh, 10 or 12 years the average length of time for a chief constable for cambridge is between four and no more than five years um julie spence nick uh, and nick at the moment they're, they're all sort of four or five year terms so you know a new chief constable um almost certainly will come in within the next 18 months because of the current one's been there three years. And then we'll go through another cycle of a new chief constable, a new police and crime commissioner. So they really, realistically, ought to work it so that the chief constable and the police crime commissioner at least agree that they're going to work together for at least four years um, on priorities and partnership, which is back to where we were. You know, the lack of partnership and joined up thinking. So you don't have candidates saying, you know, criticising indirectly the chief constable for doing something before they've even become, you know, elected to office, which they may or may not be. Yeah, it doesn't set up a particularly good relationship. Right, uh, on the Mill Road, meanwhile, it's one of the uh, number of areas where the county council has put in COVID restrictions on traffic, space is all out, but of course uh, many of the traders on Mill Road aren't happy. They see it as a, a loss to their um, their their businesses. Uh, meanwhile, other people think, well, this is rather nice, it's rather pleasant walking along here without all these cars. Um, and Phil, we saw this rather strange thing where a prospective Conservative councillor blamed a, I guess technically a prospective Labour councillor, for helping to implement a Conservative policy. <laughs> What's all that about? Well, there's certainly been a lot of discussion about this uh, in, in Romsey and Petersfield. Um, so the when when the pandemic first hit, the um, county council decided to close Mill Roads to uh, Mill Road Bridge to, to motor vehicles. Um, and this, as you say, has certainly been really unpopular with a, a majority, I would think, of the traders. But uh, there are definitely mixed opinions among the residents. There are certainly many who are in favour of it. And uh, uh, the Labour councillors, particularly in Romsey, have, have supported it as well. Um, and and, and yes, they, they, they always were, even before the pandemic. Uh, the... The, the Labour group within Romsey were, were pretty much in favour of traffic calming measures and there have, for goodness knows how many years, been plans to make this pedestrianise or calm this road here and it's all part of a, a, of a growing momentum. Yes, and of course we used to have the Mill Road Winter Fairs um, in, in normal times and people would be out walking in the streets and it'd be a lovely atmosphere and, and so forth. So, yeah, there is there is absolutely a, a lot to be said for it. But but there are downsides to its impact on disabled people in particular. Um, so there's, there's, there's arguments on both sides. And I think a lot of people were um, certainly upset about the lack of consultation. Um, it, it was because it was a, an, an emergency situation. Um, the change was just kind of made pretty much overnight without people really knowing what was coming mm. um, so there's been a lot of a lot of debate about that and and now the conservative candidates uh, in Romsey and Petersfield which it has to be said is not natural conservative territory um, but they are criticizing the the labor councillors there for, for having supported this despite the fact as you say it was the conservative county council that uh, that brought it in in the first place but no. then they're saying well we only did that because the labor councillors wanted it so you you can you can argue it out uh, till the cows come home and if you look on the next door forums uh, that's exactly what people are doing. So if, um, I, if I look across at my at my travel news screen here, don't worry, I'm not going to be doing any travel news, but I could could happily tell you Stories Way, social distancing there, um, Bateman Street, social distancing measures there. It's not the only place, but Mike, why why is it that the the Mill Road has been particularly vocal on this? 
Uh, I think that obviously it's a very significant uh, social area with a with an ethnic mix, which um, is is fairly unique, and it needs protection. And um, you know, there, there's there's also a strong sense of community there, Julian. I mean, like you know, I was down Mill Road yesterday talking about whether the the road should be penestinised. My 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 view isn't hasn't been. Uh, sort, of, sort of set in stone. I, sometimes I think it should be predestinized, but the mill road tra- traders that I've spoken to clearly think it shouldn't be. But I'm missing a wider point here. Labour, not, not just through mill road, but also through the market uh, debacles that have been going on, you know, is in trouble in this election. I think that needs to be said. You, you think know, they're effectively defending their record, is, is, is what you think they're the doing case. here? Yes, absolutely, Julie. It's always the case that the incumbent is, is defending you know, against the usurpers, if you want, and saying, look, oh, no, look at the way that we've done things, you know, like, you know, like, and, and carry, give us a chance to finish the job. But I, there's been a, a, a significant amount of drift. Um, you know, we, we shockingly haven't, uh, it's 49 minutes into this uh, interview, and we haven't mentioned either climate change or the pandemic in any serious fashion. But those are factors. Um, you think you know, at, the lo- at, the, at the local level, there are there are people who are, well, maybe supporting fewer cars on our on our roads or I, or, or, or other I, measures. I'm, I'm saying we haven't had any clear. We've had lots of suggestions about con, you know congestion charges, about you know electric buses, electric mm. you know only ring roads, you know you know various systems, but we've not actually seen any progress. This is part of the problem with political discourse. In, in, in you know you. You can't please all, all of the people all of the time. But you have to put your money where your mouth is sometimes and say, we're going to do this, and this is how, you know, and you can vote on us. But we, we, we don't, I, I as a, you know, an Abbey Ward voter, I'm not completely clear what why I should be, uh, you know, voting um, Labour because I feel that the, the, the sense of, of purpose in the market and the Mill Road um, situations hasn't become apparent. What's going to happen? to Mill Road in July. Why can't you know the traders be told what they, what's going to happen so that they can prepare for the future? It's too much of this, uh, as I say, fait accompli politics. It leaves it too late. People are just left adapting to circumstances that they feel they don't have, have in their control. This election is going to be very interesting because it gives people a chance, people a chance to take back control. You know, like what? 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 But can what they do we... so if 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 no particular party? And I I think I'm, I remember off the top of my head head the uh, uh, the local Cambridge Labour policy on uh, car, uh, on carbon precisely. But they they say they want to move towards a zero zero carbon council. You know, they are they are putting forward policies. Is there is there like a a, a radical? system and if somebody was to say we're going to ban all cars from cambridge city center they probably wouldn't get voted i think there's in- incremental things which are signifiers you know to people so for instance um there should be electric bike charging facilities a- across cambridge it, it sounds it's a, it's a relatively inexpensive thing but it just nudges the thing like we are serious about supporting a sustainable assist, a system of transport. I mean, don't get me started on East West Rail with their diesel. Oh well, I, I get an opportunity to get you started on that in a few moments' time if we've got if we've got time, which I very much hope we have. Uh, John, if you go to somewhere like Ely, it's a different city, of course, to uh, uh, to, to Cambridge. Uh, different policies, I think, on parking for one. You can uh, park for not very much as opposed to Cambridge, well, where it always well, costs quite a bit. Yeah, it's still free parking in Ely. The problem we've got in Ely is getting into Cambridge or people in Cambridge going back to Ely. And that's been the huge debate. I mean, we're going to, I mean, one of the, the uh, 
the things that the mayor has done, you know, not simply because it's his hometown, but Mayor Palmer has got the Soham railway station uh, reopening, which has not made himself terribly popular in Fenland area further north, where Wisbridge Rail still seems, you know, stuck in the midst of time. But there's a lot of work needs to be done. And if I, if I drive up the A10, there's a great big poster of, uh, of James Palmer there. Do you want the A10 dueled? And somebody has uh, graffitied over it with the words no. Um, so there, was, there, there, there remains a, 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 serious, a serious debate as to well, whether I mean, or not I, we want I, that local I, infrastructure. I drove from Whittlesea to March the other day and there were three posters of James that had been ripped in half. But um, uh, And I don't mention him simply because, you know, there are, there are we know, I other haven't seen any other mayoral posters like that, that to be ripped in half. This is other. possibly an issue uh, as well. But, but I mean, the, 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 there is actually, in, in a way, I mean, I talked about consensus, there is some consensus about things needing to be done in, in EV and we needed to get, you know, the A10 sorted out. I mean, there's been a big campaign recently uh, for safety after the death of that young of that baby there and all the other stuff that goes mm. on with it. I mean, there are serious plans to, you know, uh, dual, uh, you know, the A10 and make it a much more safer route and a faster route into Cambridge. The problem's going to be what happens when you get into Cambridge and then where are you going to go? Are you going to go park and ride? Are you going to uh, try and get in and park somewhere else? And so, you know, you might make it easier to get in and out of Cambridge, but it happens when you get to the outer Cambridge, where are you going to be? Um, but, I mean, it, it is a, a big issue, the whole infrastructure. The Cam Metro, there's a woman in Chatteras as a county councillor, who asked every single meeting, because she was encouraged to do so, uh, when is the Cam Metro coming to Chatteras? Well, no, it's on the on the tick list, but, you know... It's going to come I, to Cambridge I, first. Uh, <laughs> you, you can promise the world, you know, mm. but if you're not delivering, you know, a, 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 a hundred metres of... of, of, of Metro, you know, you can say it can go anywhere. It could probably go We've to. Got a couple to of minutes. Sorry to cut you off, John. We've got a couple of minutes left, and I do want to look a little bit at the East West Rail um, because I think it's the uh, the. Oh, I'll get this right. Harston and Combaton as a by-election South Cams, and that's pretty close to where that rail is. Uh, uh, could be running uh, and Mike for anybody either voting in for that by-election or for the for the county council one of the issues they're going to have is trying to find somebody who's standing for a party which doesn't support East West Rail um, I, I haven't checked the, 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 the breakdown are you saying the Greens support East West Rail? Well no, no the Greens don't but that's not uh, you don't you can't always stand for a Green candidate and that's um, you know that that's possibly one of that that's a potential issue that um, everybody says no to the roads and we want the rail. There are quite a number of the green candidates, I think, um, in in this in this current election. And um, I mean, I, you know, I I am in South Cam's here, and um, I'm quite close to the Marley Estate. Um, so my perspective on on the development work has been uh, severely discoloured, if you want, jaundiced even um, by the realisation that there's a massive disparity between what people say they're going to do and what they actually do. So the alarm bells are going off on East West Rail, on the Oxcam Art, which is supposed to have a million homes, uh, the, the Cam Metro. These big ticket ideas I'm very suspicious of. For me, the East West Rail, I, I'm sorry, quite simply is a write-off. If, they, if, they, if it's going to be a diesel railway, they're not thinking it through properly. They haven't got the memo. We have to get rid of fossil fuels. So I can't believe I can't believe that they're spending time, you know, still, still, still trying to make to make it happen. I mean, it's not future proof. It's ridiculous. So, what do we think is going to happen then? On uh, are we going to see any surprises at all coming up on uh, on on Thursday, uh, John? 
I think we have the possibility, as we always do in every election. But the one issue that we did not discuss this morning, and I just think it, it will come to define um, this particular period of time, is what's going to happen on housing. Because there are so many different avenues to achieving uh, a fairer and more equitable way of housing the population of Cambridgeshire. Than, and, and we have no partnership working, we have no agreement on it. We have different um, attitudes from the City Council. We have definitely different attitudes from um, you know, the Combined Authority. We have a different idea in East Cambridgeshire. And you know, to be honest with you, you know, if I had a, a family that needed housing, uh, that would be the big issue. And many, many millions of yeah. people have had people. That would be the issue. That what candidate on Thursday, above all else, is going to deliver decent and affordable housing. Yeah, no, that's definitely a, a challenge for many people, an issue we've discussed in the past here, and I suspect we will um, return to again. I need to wrap things up, gentlemen. So thank you very much uh, for your time on our election studio programme. Uh, today, uh, they were, you heard from John Elworthy, editor of the CAMS Times, which beat Standard and Ely Standard. Mike Shalom, uh, business correspondent of the Cambridge Independent. Uh, Phil Rogers, blogger and political commentator and earlier local democracy reporter, uh, Ben Hatton. Uh, thanks to Imogen Lang for helping to assemble our panel. I'm Julian Clover. Uh, join us for election studio results on Friday. <laughs> <laughs>